somewhat of an answer being formed here, please, please, please consider what Pastor Dan said tonight. Because that is the most important thing that you could ever possibly hear in your life. Now, for those of you who have placed your faith and your trust in Christ, I look out and I see a lot of you that are Christians and uh, you actually tell me that you're Christians by the way that you live this life, by the way that you walk this life, right? You have to go through difficulty and you, you remain faithful. We're going to talk tonight about standing firm, about standing firm. If you've been through one of my grade 8 classes, you know that I'm an absolute huge fan of the Second World War. I love to study the Second World War. I'm, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed nerd on the Second World War. I find it absolutely fascinating. And if you know anything about the Second World War, you know that, that the Germans under Hitler at the beginning of the war, they had absolutely... Mind-blowing is not even a strong enough word to describe it. Their success was... Uh, really never seen before in history, how fast they actually conquered the West, right? They ran, over, uh, they ran over France. They ran over all of the small countries that are just kind of on the northern coast there. And they actually achieved in about a month, a little bit over a month, what the German army tried to achieve in about four or five years of war in the First World War. It was absolutely fantastic. And so the, the Allies got pushed back, and if, if you've st- ever heard of the uh, miracle at Dunkirk, right, the British essentially just, like, we're talking like 300,000 men, just essentially, like, threw themselves into the water and were picked up by, like, any manner of boat and fishing vessel that they could, like, get a hold of, and they sailed them all back to England. That in and of itself was a miracle. But, but what proceeded after that was really actually quite amazing, Germany then set their sights on the country of England. England is an island. And so in order to actually soften up the country of England for invasion, they had to actually start to hit it with bombing raids. And during the Blitz in 1940, it started on September 7th, 1940, the city of London was bombed for 57 straight nights. 57. That's almost two full months of every single night the sun would go down, the sirens would go off, they would go down into the bomb shelters, and then literally the ground around them would start shaking as the German bombs came and dropped and hit the ground. It was absolutely terrifying. And if you, you continue to dive deeper and you study it, you realize that England, and really England and most of the free world, was quite literally hanging on by the tiniest of threads. As those, ger- those waves of German bombers would come over, they were actually in, in fighter command and they were having to be really, really careful with how many planes they would send out. Because if they sent too many out at one time, they may all get shot down and then essentially it would be completely over. The Germans would just be able to sail across, England would fall, and we would probably all be speaking German today, actually. It's quite amazing. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because the people in England at that time, in 1940, faced unbelievably insurmountable odds. Their morale was at an all-time low. They were getting hit again and again and again and again and again and again. But what did they do? The popular opinion in England at that time was to make a deal with Hitler and to capitulate. We'd be speaking German. But instead, what did they do? They stood firm. They rallied around a guy named Winston Churchill who would literally not give up an inch 
of English soil to the Germans, they stood their ground again and again and again and again and again and again. No matter what the enemy threw at them, they were willing to stand on their convictions and the rest is his history. Right? Five years later, four years later, Adolf Hitler commits suicide. Right? The war came to a pretty swift end after that. We don't speak German. Democracy and freedom won the day. So when we think about or when we talk about actually standing as a Christian, I mentioned at the the beginning, it's not easy to be a Christian in 2022 in Chatham today, but when we think about standing firm as a Christian, what do we need to consider? Because the reality is, is that there needs to be things in place. Your convictions need to be firmly rooted if you are going to stand firm. And so what does it look like to stand firm? Well, the overarching answer I want to give to this is to abide in Christ. Our pastor's been walking through 1 John over the last couple Sundays, and he's been talking about abiding in Christ. And what does it mean to abide? And and I really like what he has said. He said it's the concept of staying at home, right? Staying home. You have your home base, and you don't actually venture very far from that home base, right? You stay at home. You abide in Christ, right? You stay close to Christ. In John chapter 6, verse 68, Jesus was talking about the difficulty that it looked like to actually follow him. And he turned to the disciples and said, do you want to leave too? As all the crowds and the multitudes were just turning and kind of leaving him because they were realizing how hard it was going to be to follow Jesus. And this is what Peter answered him. John 6, 68 says, But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter understood it's like, truth is here. Jesus, you are the Son of God. Where else are we going to go? There's nowhere else we can go. We need to stand firm. We need to stay in Christ. In John 15, 5, John 15, 5 says this, Jesus is teaching his his disciples again. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing, right? I am the vine, Jesus is the vine. You are, we are the branches. What's the job of the branch? Stay close to the vine. Right? Our job is to abide. Our job is to stay home in Christ. One more scripture here to just kind of hammer this point home. I love this passage in James. It's James 4.8. It says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Right? You look around outside. Well, you can't look outside right now because it's dark. But when you go outside a little bit later and you see outside, right? You see the beauty of his creation You start to actually think about, my goodness, like the power of the being that created all of this. And yet it says in the Bible that if I actually draw near to him, that he will draw near to me. That's a beautiful picture. I want the God who created everything in the universe to draw near to me, right? I want to stay home. I want to abide in Christ. Pastor Dan mentioned at the beginning that uh, I, I played a lot of hockey. That's true. I played a lot of hockey in my life. Uh, and one thing I noticed uh, very quickly when I got to the age of, of body checking or body contact, 
right? I learned the hard way a number of times, but I continue to learn the hard way a number of times, uh, is that in a game of hockey, probably the most dangerous position that you can be in is to be standing with your feet together and standing straight up and being kind of like on the backs of your, your heels, leaning back, right? There were a couple times in, like specifically, that I can think back to. I didn't really remember it at the time. But I got caught in that situation. Maybe the puck went in my feet and I looked down and I was trying to kick it out and I got absolutely destroyed by another player coming in to hit me. And I'm telling you, if you got caught with your feet together and you kind of leaning back, you could get absolutely thrown across the ice. And I, I, I remember getting hit a couple times like that. Well, actually, there were a couple times that I got hit like that that I actually didn't remember. That I got hit so hard, I didn't actually remember it happening. But they got told later, it's like, yeah, you, <laughs> you got just tossed across the ice. I used to be really, really small. I had a very, very big problem with getting tossed across the ice. Uh, in grade nine, actually, I would bring uh, four peanut butter sandwiches. You could still bring peanut butter to school then. That was wonderful. Uh, I used to bring four peanut butter sandwiches to school to try and, like, make myself a little heavier so I wouldn't get destroyed. It didn't work very well. Contrary to that, the opposite of that, which was something that I also really liked, or I also really enjoyed, was that if you were on the ice and somebody was coming at you to hit you and you would actually kind of figure out that they were going to do that and you would get braced for it, right? Think of sports. It's not just hockey. You think of football. You can think of any contact sport. They're coming at you. If instead of having your feet together, you actually widen your stance, you bend your legs a little bit and you're ready for it, right? I also had some really, really fun moments where guys came to hit me and they would just end up bouncing off of me. Why would they bounce off me? Why wouldn't they destroy me? It's because I was standing firm, right? I was, I was ready. I knew they were coming and I was acting upon that. Guys, as a Christian, you have an opportunity to continue to increase in understanding and to continue to develop firmly rooted biblical convictions. Things that you're not in any way, shape, or form willing to waver on. And we must develop those if we are going to stand firm. So I want to give you just three practical ways tonight that you can stand firm, right? Stand firm. We said abiding in Christ, but what does it look like to abide in Christ? Well, we can use the following three things in order to abide in Christ and to stand firm. Number one, we are to stand firm in God's word. Stand firm in God's word. Number two, we're to stand firm in prayer. Stand firm in prayer. And number three, and I'm just going to touch ever so briefly on it, and it'll actually kind of in some way act as an introduction to the talk that Pastor Dan is going to give tomorrow. It's to stand together. right? When we consider standing firm, we also must consider standing together. So number one, stand firm in God's word. Guys, we must be deeply, and I I, I want to pause for emphasis here, we must be deeply rooted in God's word. Deeply rooted in God's word. In Psalm 119, verse 9 to 11, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. It goes on to say, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Then in verse 11, it says, Your word I have stored up in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against you. Right? We are to be 
firmly. How can we keep our way pure? By guarding it according to the word of God. We can stand firm in the word of God. There's probably no better example of this than Jesus himself. Right? When you consider having a relationship with Christ, when you consider that this entire book is about Jesus Christ, right? when you consider what we will spend eternity doing, which is glorifying Jesus Christ in heaven, right? all glory be to him, then we must look to Scripture for his example. You guys are probably familiar with the story. Uh, after Jesus was baptized, he went out into the wilderness. right? What happened in the wilderness? Let's get some interaction going here. Landon, what happened in the wilderness? Okay, not eat for 40 days, right? And then what happened? Thomas? The devil came to him and said, turn this rock Yeah, the devil came and tempted him, right? Three times. And we're not going to go over the specifics of what he said in those three things, right? Because we've got to keep moving. But three times the devil tempted him. Now, who's ready for the trivia question? All three times, what did Jesus do? Kevin? He declined him. Yes, he did. But how did he decline him specifically? Using God's word. Jesus was the son of God. Jesus was the God-man. Jesus walked this earth as a human being, but he was also God. And yet, he still chooses all three times that the devil tempted him to do what? Go back to scripture. Go back to scripture. Go back to scripture. This is what scripture says, right? All three times, he stood firm in God's word. So what happens when we read the Word? That presupposes that we do need to read the Word. That's not actually an option, guys. As a Christian, we must have a hunger for God's Word. We should want to read it. What happens when we read it? Well, it becomes a part of us. It becomes a part of you. It becomes something that you can stand on. It becomes something that you can go to and you can think of through the day, right? Psalm 1 says, uh, Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law, the word of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. Right? And the picture there is not like a 24-7, you're in your room, nobody else is around, you got your Bible open, It's like, all I'm going to do for the rest of my life is to read my Bible. No, that's not it at all. But what it does mean is that the more we read it and the more it becomes part of us, the more we can actually feed on it during the day. The more it will give us strength to stand firm when the time comes. Right? You might be confronted with a situation where your faith is actually tested. Right? where you actually have an opportunity to stand firm or not, and what you, you can't do, well, you could do, but it would be a little bit weird. You'd be like, excuse me, just wait about 10 minutes, please. I'm going to go over here and read my Bible, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say to, or how I'm going to kind of work through the situation, right? That's not really how it works. When we're confronted with a situation like that, we're going to go to our default, and our default needs to be the fact that God's Word is running in us and through us so that we can... Stand firm. God's word helps us see the world around us for what it is actually like. We can see the world for what it is. It's almost like putting a pair of glasses on. This is a a Mr. McCombs getting old moment here, but uh, I have to do a ton of reading for the school I'm doing right now. And so I actually just got reading glasses. 
And it's like, oh my goodness, my eyes are starting to go. Like old age is going to come quicker than I want it to, right? I got to put these reading glasses on. And what I notice when I put these reading glasses on, it's like, man, that is clearer, right? God's word is like that. The more that we read it, it's like putting on a pair of glasses where we look out at the twisted, sinful, fallen world that we're in. And all of a sudden, we can actually start to see it for what it is, right? It's important that we do that. God's word helps us sort out right from wrong. It helps us sort good from bad, lies from the truth. The more we're in God's word, the more we can see that clearly. We need to read God's word. We also must memorize God's word, right? Some of you have done that from a very young age, right? Some of you have that scripture actually hidden in your heart, like the Bible says, from a very young age, and and that's a, a beautiful thing, right? When we have passages memorized, we can continue to draw from them, right? And I would continue, I would, I would, um, challenge you guys to take passages of scripture and to memorize them, right? That sounds intimidating, like I'm not actually capable of doing that. It's like, I, I completely disagree with that, right? I completely disagree with that. You are capable of far more than you realize. And so just take a verse, take two verses, take three verses, and just slowly feed on them, slowly commit them to memory. In Ephesians 6, right? And we have Ephesians 6, this passage on your t-shirts. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. So we know what the only offensive weapon is in the armor of God in Ephesians 6? Sword, right? Sword of the Spirit. And what does the sword of the Spirit represent? Thomas? The Word. The Bible, right? Guys, if we're walking around this world, this twisted, fallen, sinful world, which it is, and we're walking through that world and we constantly leave our sword at home, what good are we going to do? Right? Some of of us, we don't even know where our sword is. Right? Some of us have zero idea how to use it. Some of us have a little bit of an idea how to use it, and we're going to continue to grow in that. And guys, it's absolutely amazing when you can be confronted in situations where you can use God's Word. God's Word is powerful. Commit Scripture to memory. Read the Bible. It will change you. Uh, one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament, because I just I, I love the imagery of this, and it, it actually is terrifying, and it's something that constantly motivates me to be in the Word, be in the Word, be in the Word, be in the Word. It's 1 Peter 5.8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm not overly terrified of animals. I'm not, except I don't like snakes. There's a reason in the Bible that snakes are cursed, I'm telling you, right? Do not like snakes, okay? But Pastor Dan gave this analogy one time, and it hit me, and it's absolutely never left me. He, he talked about the fact that a lion doesn't just go 100% all the time, right? A lion will kind of, like, kind of stalk around. It'll kind of be like a cat, like it hides, it hides, it hides, it hides, it hides, right? And sometimes it'll see prey, and it's like, no, that's, we're not going to go after that one. And so he continues to stalk, continues to hide. What Pastor Dan brought out in the analogy, I think it's so powerful, is that when a lion actually locks onto his prey, there is actually nothing that can get in its way that it will not go through. 
Like you could put a brick wall in front of it and that lion will quite literally go through the brick wall to get its prey, right? And Mr. Bambi will be jumping along and then the next scene in the nature show is Mr. Bambi is devoured, right? The lion is actually like eating every single bit of it, even like the insides of the bone, which is what a lion does. It's, it's pretty amazing, okay? Now, we kind of like joke about that. It's like uh, talking about a nature show. Because what we need to realize is that that is what Satan does. The word is not, like, it's not talking figuratively here. Like, Satan seeks somebody whom he can devour. And so what do we need to do? Well, we need to stay close to Christ, right? We need to abide. We need to be firmly rooted in God's word. We need to stay at home there so that Satan is going to look at you and say, ah, that prey is way too difficult to try and go after. Not that he won't try, he won't tempt you, right? But if you're firmly rooted here, there's not anything Satan can do to that. We need to be firmly, stand firm in God's word. Number two, we need to stand firm in prayer. Stand firm in prayer. Uh, I think that I can speak for probably all all Christians who have been Christians for a while in the West. Maybe that's a little bit of an overstatement. But from my own point of view, from my own perspective, this is an area that probably convicts me more than any other area in my Christian walk is prayer. Is being a man who constantly prays. Right? Well, a quote that I absolutely love is prayerlessness, right? Not praying. Prayerlessness is a declaration of independence from God. So if you're going through your life as a Christian, what you are actually communicating to God is that, God, I don't actually need you. I don't need you. I can do this on my own. I have this all figured out, right? And then you take three steps and you fall flat on your face. Right? And then you get up and your pride swells up again and you take three steps and you fall flat on your face. Right, And then the Red Wings fans in the crowd take two steps and fall flat on their face because that's just what they're used to doing. Right, But guys, the point is there is that we must be people, we must be Christians that pray. We are to pray because Jesus prayed. Right, We go back again to the example of Christ. In Mark 6.46, It says, and when he sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Those passages are all through the Gospels. Another example of that is Luke 6.12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Right? Jesus prayed. There's probably no better picture of Jesus praying, and and there's probably not a chapter in the Bible that that looks like intently at the heart of Jesus Christ more than John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, the the disciples and Jesus have have, uh, eaten the Last Supper. Jesus goes out into the garden, right? He knows that the cross is coming. He knows that a brutal death, torture, absolutely unbelievable pain, mockery, right? He's going to get spit upon. All of those things are about to come, right? And by the way, all of those things are not nearly as severe as it was for the father to actually pour out the wrath of all humanity upon the head of his son, right? That the the perfect union of the Trinity, right? The love and the, the, the perfection that was there, 
right? You had a moment in history where God the Father was actually pouring out the wrath of humanity upon the head of his son. And Jesus was about to experience that. And he goes into the garden and what does he do? He falls down on his knees and he prays. I would encourage you to read John chapter 17 again and again and again. It's, it's like you're, you're <laughs> right? Words are short. Time is short. You're, you're literally staring into the heart of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, right? But what does he do before he goes to get crucified? He prays. When we pray, like Jesus prayed, when we pray, we can praise God for who he is, which we should do, You should be absolutely awed by the God that you serve. We can repent of our sin. We can pray for others in need. We can bring our requests before the Lord. We can talk to the Lord, right? Our relationship with God will grow if we do this. But the opposite is also true, right? My wife, Stacy, is kind of sitting out in the back. Sorry, Stace. Um, My wife, Stacy, is sitting out in the back, right? I absolutely love my wife, okay? I have an awesome wife. But I want you to think about this for a second. If I never talked to her, if I never talked to her, would we have a good relationship? No, right? She could be incredibly forgiving. She could be incredibly positive and upbeat about, about you know, like this is where God has placed me. I'm, I'm married to Andrew and this is what I'm supposed to do. But if, if I never talk to my wife, we are not going to have a good relationship. Now, guys, how much more your heavenly father? You should want to talk to your heavenly father. You should want to go to him in prayer. Your relationship with God your belief in Jesus Christ, the ability that you have to stand firm when trouble comes will be much greater if you are somebody that prays. Last one. You guys are doing a really good job listening. I just want you to listen just for a couple more minutes, okay? A couple more minutes, I promise, all right? A couple more minutes, and then we'll get outside. We'll, we'll play some games. Last one is to stand firm with believers. And again, I'm not going to get into this. I just wanted to to essentially say that if you are going to stand firm in this life as a Christian, you can't be a lone ranger. You look to Scripture, and there's, there's not an example. You go through the New Testament, you look at the early church, you look how it was structured. There's not an example of, you know what, I don't need believers around me. I'm just going to go do my own thing. You can't find that, right? Strength comes in numbers. And tomorrow, Pastor Dan is going to dive more into that. And I'm really excited about that because that essentially hits at the topic of the importance of the church, something that I think has fallen on hard times. And so you can look forward to that tomorrow. So in conclusion, to sum all of this up, right? How do we stand firm? We are to abide in Christ. If you're not in Christ at all, none of what I said matters, just like Pastor Dan said at the beginning, right? A relationship with Jesus Christ, the creator and the savior of the universe, is available to you. It is. It's available to you. And our prayer tonight is that you would truthfully consider what that means. That you would realize that there is an answer in Jesus Christ. And that once we are in Jesus Christ, we are called to stand firm in him. We are called to stand firm in him by abiding in him. 
And we abide in Christ by standing firm in his word, standing firm in prayer, and standing firm with other believers. Guys, we're going to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. All right. Uh, and Lord, I, I would encourage you just really over the next kind of couple moments is, is I'm going to pray, but I would encourage you to pray as well. Right? You don't have to pray out loud. Just pray there yourself, right? The Lord's before you. Nobody's, nobody's looking around. You don't need to be kind of nervous about that. Just close your eyes and pray. Talk to the God of heaven who sent his son Jesus Christ to give his life for you so that you could actually be brought into a relationship with him. That should blow your mind. All right, I would encourage you tonight to pray, and I would encourage you, please do not leave here thinking, well, hmm, you know what? There seems to be some sort of answer being formed there, but now it's gone, and I'm just going to go and do the rest of my life and kind of do it how I want it, because you can't afford to do that. This is the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I would encourage you to talk to one of the leaders here, to ask your friends some questions, to put a question in the box back there for the pastor's panel tomorrow, right? Anonymous question, just slip it in there, and you can have that, you can have that answered, because this is way too important to let slide, All right? So I'm going to pray, and as, as I pray, I would encourage you to do so uh, just where you're at. Just close your eyes and, and talk to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that Pastor Dan boldly brought the gospel message tonight. Lord, that is the most important thing that we could ever hear, that Jesus is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And that nobody comes to the Father, nobody spends eternity with the Father except through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, he died for us. He gave everything for us. He gave everything for people that are not perfect, that are sinful. He was perfect, and he still willingly submit to his Father, and he went to the cross. Lord, I would highly encourage anybody here tonight with questions or considerations to bring them to the leaders so that this is something that they could get cleared up. Father, I thank you for this weekend. I thank you for all of the different really churches that are represented here. I thank you that we can do this. And I thank you that in this time, in 2022, when we look to the future and things are going to get more difficult, right? your word actually promises that that is true, that we can spend this time on a Friday night standing firm and deepening our convictions of the truth of Jesus Christ, of our necessity to abide in him, and our necessity to stand firm in his word and in prayer. May our relationship with Christ grow and may we be strengthened in him. We thank you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.